This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome back to it. <laughs> 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 we're recording this. Are we recording this for outtakes? We we are doing outtakes. Um, look, welcome welcome back to uh, Half Measures. You're joined by <laughs> by my friend and colleague Paul Kanawa. Now, normally um, we'd hit the restart button, but this is Half Measures. You know, we do it like this. You know, you, this is what you get. You get one take. It's one take, one shot. You gotta lose yourself. This this music, this moment. You're you're going with this. We're keeping this, are we? Okay, we're well, keeping first, it. I'm, first, I'm committed. I'm first committed. of all, first of all, I'd like to apologise to to John Champion and to the Roddenberry Podcast Network because this is directly following on from their effort. And by now, you know, they're like, I don't want to be associated with this podcast. It's like the most <clears> unprofessional <throat> thing I've ever heard. Well, is it the most down to earth thing you've ever heard? That's the is question. It? Okay, let's let's is pose it? that question is to it? the let's is pose it? that question to the listeners. Anyway, well, welcome back to a, an, another great episode of the Half Measures podcast. This is actually episode seventeen for us, so we're we're humming along. It's going to be it's going to be a hundred before we know it, Paul. I, I can't wait. As you and as as we talked about last week, um, we're trying to do a bit more of a, a weekly schedule for you guys. So we we hope you're enjoying the the episodes. But Paul, how have you been? Pretty good, thank you, Dan. Yeah, I uh, have once again managed to watch quite a lot of content since we last sat down last week so that's that's good uh, a clear indication that i'm living my best life how about you yeah look um i've watched a few things i've actually when we do our what have we been watching this week i've got a, a few old school movies that I, I went back and checked out but mm. yeah look it's um here in new zealand things are slowly i guess getting back to a little bit of a, a new normal um the the CBDs are opening up. People are back in their offices. Um, we have been mostly corona free, except for two new cases, um, which came came from overseas again, which is a, a bit of a shame. But look, look, I'm all right. I get by. That's good. I'm I'm the one thing I'm looking forward to when I go back on the train next week is uh, getting back into that Breaking Bad rewatch. So uh, that'll be something I can look forward to as a you know as a trade off as we return back to normality. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, uh, as as tradition dictates, what what have you been watching, Paul? Okay, so quite a few things. I'm going to start my little session off with the probably the best movie I've watched since we last spoke, which was um, Sicario uh, from 2015. Now, is this a movie that you have seen or not? It is a movie I've seen, and it's. I, I really loved it. I enjoyed it a lot. Great movie, right? Great movie. I um I don't know why I never watched it when it came out or why I'm only seeing it now. For anyone who hasn't seen it, really quickly, the the official spiel is an idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by a government task force to aid in escalating war against drugs at the border between the US and Mexico. So as someone who enjoys narcos, um I was already sold. Um the cast, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, all, all good actors and actresses that I'm really, you know, happy to sit down and watch. We also get a nice cameo from uh, The Punisher, old Shano himself, uh, John John Bernthal, who always adds something when he's a, a part of it. Um, yeah, look, this, this movie came from nowhere for me, and I can see now why it's rating really highly across the board. All three of those main stars are really, really good in their main roles, uh, all convincing. In particular, Emily Blunt, who plays that idealistic uh, 
type um, not coping well with seeing justice being delivered outside the law, if you like. Um, and on that note, um, Benicio del Toro, uh, he's scary as hell in this movie. It's probably the best role I've actually seen him in probably since, I don't know, like one of his, I don't know, like the usual suspects or something that he did a long time ago. It was, it was really, really strong. And um, uh, it's a movie that makes you feel really uneasy. Like as the audience, you sort of feel... You don't get to see everything that's going on. And so what I like about that is that you you kind of, it's like you're watching or you're part of the movie through Emily Blunt's character's eyes. So you, you don't sort of understand. Like he, Benicio walks into a room with a barrel of water and you don't see what happens, but you know he's going to go interrogate a guy. And then he walks out and he's got the answers. So you sort of left, it leaves it to your imagination as to what might have happened in that room. So um, uh, yeah, the director... Dennis Villeneuve, you may be familiar with some of his movies, um, Blade Runner 2049, um, Arrival. So, you know, he's got a good catalogue of movies now. He's a, he's a name that I'm going to keep an eye on because all three of those these movies have been fantastic, I think. And, uh, yeah, it was a real good real good Saturday night movie. Um, very rewarding. Whereabouts, whereabouts did you watch that? What platform was it on? That was on Netflix, so um, oh, nice. nice and easy for that one. Um, I'm going to need to go back and watch it. It's been a, a few years uh, since I've seen Sicario, but it was one of those movies. I remember seeing the trailer mm-hmm. and it's instantly been, this is a movie for me, super gritty, really dark. Um, really, I really enjoy <laughs> enjoy I use the word with the air quotes around it when there's those characters who are whose side are you on like are you yes are you are you a good guy are you a bad guy you're kind of the the guy you pull in to get the job done um and I think it's a movie it's been a while since I've seen it but it's a it's a movie that leaves you wondering like was was that is that what we do is that is that okay is that a um and no, really interesting. Have you have you thought about watching Sicario Two? Until you've mentioned Sicario Two, I was unaware there was such a thing. So yes, that's definitely going to go on the watch list. Very interesting. Yeah, so it's a really different um, premise to Sicario One. Well, okay. different. Uh, is that fair? No, maybe premise is the wrong word. It's a quite a, a different vibe, I think, to Sicario One, but still. Um, quite enjoyable, not not quite as I think um, as good as, as the first one, but still a, definitely mm. a, a highly recommended watch if you enjoyed the first Sicario. Good, yeah, I mean it, I did. It's terrifying, it's gripping, it's depressing, it's um, it's it's really well written. Uh, Diana, I think we we watched this together. I think her probably her favourite genre is like possibly thrillers, which um, you know is reflected in her marital choice, obviously. And I think this movie. You know, both imp- impressed us uh, in that sort of uh, terrifying way as a, as a thriller. So that was the the first movie I watched, and then we also watched uh, King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. So this was inspired by the fact that we both enjoyed the gentleman so much that I had to go away and watch a another Guy Ritchie movie. So um, it was a rewatch for me. I managed to establish that it was a movie that I, much like you, watched on a plane. You know, so. Um, it was one of those ones that Diana hadn't seen. So it was a real treat to see it on a big TV with the sound up and everything. So, um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a good movie. Charlie Hannum is really convincing in the lead role. Jude Law is okay. Um, the supporting cast are good. Tom Wu shows up again like he does in, in a number of Guy Ritchie movies. Um, and um, Beckham, he shows up. I don't know if you remember. Um, you've seen this, eh? Am I, oh, hang on. Have you seen this? No, no, no oh, I haven't. Oh. So, um, hey, look, not everything I watch is on a plane. You know, sometimes <laughs> I have to, I have to slum it and uh, keep your feet on the ground. So, so I, I can't. I might have mentioned this last week on uh, the podcast. I'm, I'm not too sure. All, all my conversations is blurring into one, but I feel like I've seen maybe the first. 30 minutes or so of that movie yeah. and it was a movie that I was super interested in from the trailer and particularly being a Guy Ritchie fan and I remember putting it on and it just not working for me mm. and it was so weird because Guy Ritchie, Tick, uh, King Arthur, kind of realm, knights, sort of a little bit Game of Thronesy type vibe, fantasy vibe, really interesting 
the idea of it kind of being a uh, King Arthur heist type movie, Knights of the Round Table heist. What like I thought that's that's is a really cool concept, and I just couldn't get into it. But after watching the gentleman last week, and I guess with yourself talking about uh, King Arthur this week, it's made me think maybe I need to give it another go. Yeah, oh, look, I, I would say give it a go because you know I'm not overly big on myths and legends, or and with the exception maybe of like Lord of the Rings, I'm not big on things that involve swords or battles or castles and kings and queens. So this movie is always facing like an uphill task um, to impress me. It's kind of um, just possibly not. It's not what I think of as well when I think of a Guy Ritchie movie, but he does put his own spin on it. So whilst it's not a revolver or a gentleman or a lock stock, it does have that Guy Ritchie flavor in terms of the fight scenes, the the humor, and of course his treatment of the screenplay, as you might expect, means that some of the dialogue in this movie could quite easily have just been a couple of geezers and gangsters talking in an East London pub as opposed to uh, in, in this mythological scenario, which does stray a little bit from what I understand to be the the, the true King Arthur story, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a thirty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, which, um, that's low. That's low. Mm, that's really low. Uh, yeah. Budget of one hundred and one hundred and seventy five mil. Box office one hundred and forty eight mil. Interesting. Look, I'll give it another go. It's it's got the ingredients um, that should make it work for me. Look. I'll, I'll do one for you, Guy Ritchie. Don't worry about it. I'll check it out. Okay. Let's pump up those numbers. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our bit for for Team Guy Ritchie. Um, and my 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 final movie that I've watched. Uh, I've gone back in time here, and I've gone to Battle Beyond the Stars. It's the fortieth anniversary of this movie, and so that was why I decided it was time to revisit this old classic and and, and watch it um, again. For anyone who's not seen it, this is about a young farmer who sets out to recruit some mercenaries to defend his peaceful planet of Alderon. Oh, no, sorry, not Alderon. It's a it's a similar planet though, um, because the planet is under threat of destruction by the evil tyrant uh, and his planet killing weapon. Um, so there's clear links to to Star Wars. There's clear inspiration from Star Wars. So much of it is, uh, you know, clearly in, inspired by George Lucas's approach, and also elements of uh, the motion picture, the first Star Star Trek movie, which came out in 1979, so just the year before. Um, it starts with a big foreboding ship coming right at you, very much like a new hope. Um, the, the story itself, though, is actually much more, even though it's got those Star Wars links, it's actually much more akin to Magnificent Seven. So it's kind of, if you ever wonder what that movie might be like in space, that's what you're going to get with this one. And look, I, this is one I did watch by myself. Um, and while it may not have aged as well as movies like Star Wars or Space Odyssey or Alien and all those sort of movies that aired at a similar time, it does have its own appeal. And so I, it's kind of a B-grade sci-fi movie, um, which may offend some people, but I'm, I mean it in the nicest possible way. I'm just having a look at the uh, some stills from the movie. Um, it's, definitely, it's definitely an oldie, but uh, look, if yep. you enjoyed it, that, that, that's all that matters. And it's um it's, it's, it's important, Paul, that you get a, a good Star Trek reference in there at least once per. It, it is. Per oh, actually, I've got I've, I've got some more Star Trek to come into this. Don't you worry. But um, it's um, you know, that's the same year as Empire Strikes Back, right? So it's kind of like you know, it, it really is. It's not aged as well, but mm. and some of the characters, you know, you've got like a, a a villain, a young farmer type boy. You've got a cowboy played by George Papad. Um, you know, from Hannibal from the A-Team. And so he's clearly got a bit of a Han Solo vibe going on. There's kind of an Obi-Wan character. There's a there's a there's like a, an android that kind of feels like Ash from Alien. Um, you know, I could go on, but it's really fun. If you haven't seen it and you consider yourself a, a sci-fi fan, I think it's one of those movies that's just worth watching just to see, you know, one of those first first sort of um, ones that came out around the big time of, of Star Wars. Is to, you know, it's, it's got, and heaps of stuff is stolen, by the way, from... Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek, all of the the, the noises, the the guns, the the shields, they are not just similar sounding. They have literally ripped it straight. From, I, I don't know if they've got the rights to it or what, but how do they got away with it? It's just it's really disconcerting though hearing noises from another franchise. It really takes you out the moment a little bit. But yeah, 
Um, yeah, look, um, to be honest, I've, I've never heard of this film. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you for real? Uh, I'm for, I'm, I've never heard of it. Um, look, it sounds interesting. It sounds, yeah, look, I, I've got nothing to say. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll quickly flick the TV and I've only got a couple of things to add in. I'm not going to talk about Mars because I'm building up to that because I'm now into season two and I really want to sort of review that if you like in detail once I finished it, but I'm really still enjoying that. Um, and the other the other new show that we've started up is a UK uh, cop show. Uh, we're into season three of Marcella. Have you seen Marcella? No, but I've seen the... Um... The ad has been popping up on my Netflix when I log in at the moment. Mm. It's it's definitely Good. worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. So we've watched the the previous two seasons. We had to familiarise ourselves with what happened by watching the recaps because it's like 2016 and 2018. Um, basically, she's a Anna Friel plays the, the main character. She plays a former metropolitan police detective who left uh, to focus on her family, and then her husband left her, and her world falls apart. So she goes back to the force, and. Um, yeah, it's a, her performance is very convincing. She plays a, a really intelligent, frantic individual who's constantly has no time to think, so she relies on instinct. So in that respect, she's kind of got that Kerry Matheson sort of vibe going on, but with a British accent, which, by the way, is very distracting. It's kind of like a London mixed with Northern. It's very odd, very, very odd, but it's good. And it's so the, what makes it compelling, and this I'll keep this spoiler free, is that... Um, She's constantly in situations where it appears that she may be guilty. And as the audience, you don't know if she is because she has these blackouts. And then when she comes around, something's happened and there's no evidence to sort of link it to her, but it looks like it could be her. So you kind of, you think that she's, she's innocent because, you know, she, you know, you don't want her to be guilty, but is she, is she Dan? You tell me, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's I'm going to go ahead and say guilty. Okay. Okay. Well, you get, get in amongst <laughs> it. Season three. Season three is uh, so far so good. We're only a few episodes in, um, and yeah, it's set in Northern Ireland this season, so it's a little bit different. Um, so yeah, so we've been really enjoying that. And uh, other than that, it's been the usual watch of Transformers and Seinfeld, and uh, that's that's quite a bit of talking from me. So it must be over to you. How are you? How are you going with Transformers? That must be you must be getting through quite a bit of it now yeah so we're coming towards now the that that time where before we switch seasons the movie takes place so the events of that movie right. and of course the movie is where optimus prime is going to die and so um it's, it's have you been preparing for this or are you kind of just letting it play out or I've, no i've just been letting it play out and so each time anyone's in danger <laughs> my little six-year-old daughter's really quite concerned that something might happen but of course they always survive, but in the movie they're not going to. So, you know, we're going to see how that goes. I remember, as many people from that era will, being very upset about the Optimus Prime death. Mm -hmm. So, But, you know, I survived it, and it's made me the person I am today, so that's got to be a good thing, right? This is going to be horrible, Paul, but I – and I reluctantly say this, but I wonder whether you should try and record this moment just to see <laughs> – just. Just Maybe to see can, how it plays out. As, as, as our very, a very first YouTube live podcast um, of this moment. Yeah, what could possibly yeah, go yeah. wrong with that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, ah, interesting. So, uh, so what about you, Dan? What have you been watching? Um, well, here I am making fun of you for watching um, old movies, and I had a weekend of old movies, so I, I probably shouldn't throw stones. So a couple of classics that I've been watching. The first one being the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. So this is the um, live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a movie that I've been – I'm a really big Ninja Turtles fan, and it's a movie that I've been wanting to rewatch for quite a few years now, and I finally got to sit down and do it. It's – it's terrible and great. It's great because it's live action. I, I've i seen a few um, photos online of um, those Ninja Turtle costumes now, and they're very degraded, and the, the foam looks terrible. They look almost like something out of a horror film. Um, but seeing the Ninja Turtles do you know, live action ninjutsu is great. Um, there's a real 
uh, Yoda vibe going on with Splinter. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, it's got all of those terrible things about the nineties, like it's like it's it, it's offensive. It hasn't um, kind of uh, dated well, but equally it's a it's a real fun time, and it's kind of in that era for me of um, when Michael Keaton Batman. Mm. era and i think that when i saw this movie uh, i would have been 11 maybe 12 and it it just ticked all the boxes for me i i i struggle to recommend it to anyone to watch now unless you're a fan but i had a good time and uh this this is after because you mentioned the cartoon series when we did our cartoons uh, you know, that we we watched growing up. So this is set after. Mm. The, is it separate to the cartoon, or is it just like the movie version? Ah, uh, it, it's kind of the movie version. It kind of follows the um the the standard origin story. This is how the the turtles came to be. Um, the graphic novel of the Ninja Turtles is 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 quite a bit darker and a bit more adult. This is a very um kid friendly. We want to sell toys from this. Um, version of a movie but it's one of those movies where I don't think they quite had it nailed in the 90s of um, this is a movie with adults in it but it's also kind of targeted for kids and just trying to get the the tone and balance right Mm. Um, but look it's enjoyable it's a good bit of fun there's some great the the turtles themselves work quite well but then you you have like a puppet like um, Splinter and it He's pretty static. He looks he looks kind of terrible, um, but it's a look. It's a fun time if you're a fan of the of the genre of the series. Forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and yet it's scoring nearly seven out of ten on IMDb, which tells me that maybe I don't know some of the fans actually are giving a bit of love, and, and some of them aren't. But uh, thirteen point five million dollars for the budget for this movie, so that's a shoestring. Not much. Eh? It's not, and that's and you know. I actually haven't even like, of the the modern Ninja Turtle movies. I've seen the first Michael Bay one, but I've I've never actually seen the second one because um, the 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 turtles didn't look right to me. And I actually really appreciated the the um, live action turtles much more than mm. the the animated versions from the the Michael Bay movies. But yeah, look, it's a it's a fun time. In that, uh, actually, before I go on to my next movie, were you a, a turtles fan at all, Paul? Not really. I, I sort of watched it occasionally when I came home from school. It was on TV, and I, I would watch it casually, as opposed to some of the other cartoons which I watched religiously. Right, so, right, look, right. I, knew, I knew the music. I, I knew they liked pizza, and as I think I mentioned in our last podcast when we talked about turtles, I uh, I learned the names of the artists through the right, turtles right, 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 rather right. than knowing who they were first of all, which right, is just right, right. horrific, isn't it? But there we go. That's the truth. Yeah. Um. So the next old movie I watched. Oh, is the Goonies? So this is even old. This is even older than the Ninja Turtles. Uh, and the Goonies is like, like I love the Goonies. It's definitely uh, one of my favourite childhood movies. Um, it's it actually re- reminds me a lot of, and I don't know that Stranger Things draws a lot mm. from this this type of universe, but it reminds me so much of that. And I think it's just one of those. Movies that really captures what kids get up to when there's no adult supervision around, and they're kind of just, you know, they're they're super confident. They kind of get up to mischief. They're um, they're kind of rat bags, and I feel like it's a movie. It's just a real good time. It's, again, it's got some things that maybe um, kind of dated and don't translate well, but I always find it a bit of a, a feel good movie. Are you mm. a, a Goonies Goonies fan? Yeah, absolutely. And like we talked about last week, if there's a second movie, I'll be there um, just just for nostalgia alone. But it is one of those, you know, when you when you watch Stranger Things, you do think of movies like this. It's you know, the inspiration and what they've drawn upon. It's it's a classic. It's one of those ones we grew up with, and you know, maybe it hasn't aged well. I don't know. Has has, has it aged that badly? Um, I, I think in general, like it's 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 better than most movies. When I say like some of the jokes and some of the humor maybe you wouldn't quite use in, in today's movies. Um, but I think one of the one of the other good things about a movie like The Goonies is it's kind of a bit of a time capsule. If we're going back and seeing some, some pretty big actors these days, like Sean Austin, Josh Brolin, um, you know, like they're, they're just young kids in this movie. And it's really cool to, you know, obviously they've gone on to do great things. Um, Corey Feldman, like there's, there's a whole bunch of people which you, you see in Hollywood now as – 
as young kids having a good time. Nice. And where am I watching the Goonies? Um, I actually, so all of these movies that I'm talking about, I actually watched on iTunes. Um, okay. So these were these were hires to to watch. Ninety nine cent week again, is it? <laughs> um, oh, no comment. And then the 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 third movie I watched um, again on iTunes, but this was one one I actually owned in the in the digital library, uh, Top Gun. So. And so Top Gun's actually, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this a few times on the the podcast. So this is a, another movie that actually came out in 1986. Mm. But I think as far as action films go, it's it's top tier. It's not only has it um, has it stood the sort of transition into 2020, the the action, the um, the filmography, the the way that it's all live action has really just made it stand on its own. And if it, again, it wasn't for the fashion and maybe some of the slightly offbeat jokes, it easily could be a a modern day movie. And it, it's just fun. It's probably its biggest weakness in 2020. As it's it's probably too sexist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, there probably is no but to that. But as far as <laughs> there's a joke within there too, stay there away no from much. it, Paul. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. As far as action films go from that era, I don't. I can't think of any other movie that, that could stand the test of time like Top Gun does. That's exactly what I was just thinking of. If if I had to name you know movies of that genre, it would be right up there. It was in your ten movies to get to know me list. It's it's just one that's like I'm looking online again and thinking. Why is it only fifty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Why is it only fifty percent on Metacritic? Why is it less than seven on IMDb? It's, it amazes me because this is a movie that I've watched a couple of times. It's on my watch list to watch again, possibly once we have a confirmed date for for Maverick for Top Gun two, um, so we can sort of go into that movie with it, you know, fresh in our mind. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's the movie that for me, it's if I think of. Tom Cruise and when I first saw him I think this is when I probably think of first seeing him um and what a what a great performance yeah and look I think the other thing that really just makes this movie pretty epic is the soundtrack it's such a a classic 80s feel good get pumped up sing along to the the movie as you watch it it's a good time um, and so we're going to be talking about a few um, new movie dates later in the pod, but just for your reference, Paul, you're going to want to be watching Top Gun um, before the 23rd of December because that's when uh, Maverick is due out. Done. So, I'll lock it in for a, a pre-Christmas Get it on your list. Thank you. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, those are the, the three movies I've been watching. I've then been carrying on uh, with a, a couple of shows I mentioned last week. So we've really fallen deep into Outrageous Fortune mm. on Lightbox, which is the uh, New Zealand show. So we're under season two now, and that was filmed or that was came out in 2006. So, again, a little bit dated, but we're really falling into the story. It's like I mentioned last time, a bit of a time capsule of what New Zealand was like um, back back then, and mm. just really enjoying it. Um, also, been watched a few more episodes of Rebels. Got to keep keep that up, and nice. um, um, watching a bit of Seinfeld every now and again, which I'm at, again every episode is just getting better and better and better. So I'm into season four of that now, and Space Force, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Can I can I take you back to Rebels and just uh, get a sense of where you are season wise or story wise? Uh, I'm getting near the end of season one. I'm giving you a look. There's a teacher that says you can do better. You can do better. Yeah, I I can tell. I feel I feel bad. Even the look you gave me that that really got me. It got me in the feels. It's good. And the, the reason I say that with Jest, of course, is because really season two, three is where it just it, it goes up a gear. And I can't wait to hear you talk about it mm-hmm. so that I can I, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, I need to. Um, and it's funny because I'm, I'm not not watching it because I'm not enjoying it. It's just 
almost just fitting all of these different shows in. And I'm always conscious, I think, particularly with our, our podcast, that I'm kind of watching something new and watching something different to talk about. So True. it's almost like, oh, God, what am I watching now? What am I watching now? So um, it's, the, it's, it's, the, like, it's the pressures of this job, it's right? The pressure. It's a pressure cooker, you know? <laughs> so um, look, the, the millions of fans that we have need to know need to know what's what's happening in the, in the world. So look, I'll, I'll get back into it. Um, I think because I just watched so much Clone Wars in such a short period of time, I almost overdid. I I overindulged, and yeah, now I've kind of ruined myself a little bit for Rebels. But I don't want to take the, I don't want to take my foot off the accelerator. So nice. We'll keep track of that. <clears throat> so before we get into such things as Space Force, which is our, our topic of the show, what has been happening in the in the sector, Paul, in the movies, TVs, entertainment sector, what, what news have you got for me? Well, I guess there's a, a couple of things. Um, probably the the big one, which is going to affect our schedule, so we're going to have to, um, you know, obviously look at that, is the the Oscars. So the Oscars have been pushed back um, by two months uh, as a result of um, you know things going on in the world. Um, so that's that's now going to be um, you know, April as opposed to February. So what that means for us is is that the Half Measures pod Oscars, spelt with a K, uh, those prestigious awards which viewers who have been with us since episode one, and I know there's a couple of them out there, will recall we printed and then laminated, double-sided, and have given to the winners to share. Um, that's going to be delayed now till, till April. So, so yeah, so that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a real change for the Oscars is to have it in February. It's a real change. I've got a question for you, Paul. Hmm. Do we, you know, we're not restricted because of our um, environmentally friendly digital first model of the Oscars that we go with. We actually wouldn't have to delay our um, our ceremony, though I do wonder if we give out Oscars before the if, other version of the Oscars or the official ones. We, we don't want to influence them. anything. Yeah, so that's, that's it. That's it. Exactly right. Options, options. It would be interesting though to maybe do some do some picks maybe next year. Or maybe we could, right? Maybe we could, because because we always, you know, every every year that we've done this, <laughs> we always do it after the Oscars. So maybe this, right. maybe this time we switch it up and do it before and see how. At the end of the day, let's be honest, we don't really care who they give the uh, the other Oscars to, um, because you know, if movies such as Terminator Dark Fate can get amongst the the half measures Oscars then that's where the real that's where the real excitement is right and look you know I think we're the type of uh, characters to really disrupt the industry and maybe bring back some movies from you know 1980 1990 put them back on the table you know I love it write some past wrongs let's get them out and talking of movies from the 80s and 90s uh, one of the things I watched uh, this earlier this week was have you seen Josh Gad does these uh, reunited apart sessions? So he's 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 been doing it with various casts of shows. So um, the, the cast of The Lord of the Rings, for example, all got together a couple of weeks ago. Well, earlier this week, the cast of Ghostbusters all came together. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, the whole the whole works, and it was it was really really nice. And uh, kind of gets me excited for this upcoming Ghostbusters movie that Jason Reitman is is doing, um, which is is unlike the other Ghostbusters movie, which recently came out, which, by the way, I thought was pretty good, despite all the hate, but that's another conversation. Uh, this is a, a direct sequel, as direct as we can get to the original two Ghostbusters movies, so with the original cast all returning as, I think, supporting characters as opposed to leads. Nice, nice. Ghostbusters is a funny genre for me where... I remember enjoying the original Ghostbusters. I feel like there's such a cult following behind uh, everything Ghostbusters related, but I feel like it's kind of in my bucket of eh, eh, whatever, you know. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not, and I. But I feel like I should be more passionate about it. I feel like it's, it, it's got all those nerdy things that um, that I would typically enjoy, but for some reason it just doesn't doesn't get me excited. It's interesting as well because, like, just when we show our kids old movies that we we really loved as as kids growing up, a lot of the time they work out as hits. Obviously, obviously, Star Wars has worked well. Um, there's been you know so many the Back to the Future movies, all three of those all went down well. Ghostbusters, 
not interested. Just was not. So I don't know, but I loved it. And so I'm excited about that. And I was excited by the reunited of Pat. And the other thing, um, which isn't something I'm necessarily interested in, but I know you're a fan of the show, is the 30 Rock cast uh, reuniting um, for a one-hour, one-off special, uh, the entire cast getting back together. So, uh, yeah, could be interesting. Well, that's uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely a big 30 Rock fan. I'm unsure about all these reunions, to be honest with you. Friends reunions, Parks and Rec reunions, like... I enjoy it in like a in a YouTube type thing where it's like we've all got together because it's the coronavirus and we're in a pandemic and let's bring a bit of joy to the world. But I'm un- like, do we need all the reunions? I guess if it, if it was an office one, like I'd definitely be watching it. Um, I don't know. I just feel it doesn't overly excite me. I'm I'm interested, but I equally. That's fair enough. You know. You know? It's, it's, it's like it's like your experience with Arrested Development. Eh? It's like the idea is good, but the reality is is maybe not as good. And one thing I have very very briefly seen was the Larry David special when the Seinfeld characters got back together. And I've only seen a couple of minutes clip of it. But even in that couple of minutes, I could tell it just wasn't quite the same. And so yeah, maybe there's risks of things being somewhat ruined. Eh? Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. Is it almost better to kind of hold those hold those memories for what it was? Because are we talking about just the the cast as their as themselves reflecting on the show? Is it the actual cast going back into character to do uh, an extra episode? And I think sometimes the the beauty of shows like Thirty Rock is there's all these kind of like in jokes and um, and humor and good relationships and dynamics between the cast but when it's been 10 years or whatever it is since they've last done something together it's not always there and it doesn't always have the magic source and I I imagine on a on paper there's probably some some big um numbers floating around but I don't know look who, who am I to stand in the way of these things good question who are you Dan Wadding don't use my last name they'll find me <laughs> um what have okay, you got in the other- bag well, I've got a, a couple of things I, I wanted to talk about. I was reading an interesting article on the Independent, you know, you know, from the UK, Paul, the Independent, and Good it was paper. talking about. Can I hear like a weird crying in the background, like a weird ghost? Okay, so full disclosure, I just messaged Diana saying, "Can you tell her to be quiet? <laughs> that's that's my <laughs> daughter who's gone into our room and who is doing some." from from frozen 2 and so now the cat is at the bag i was desperately trying to press my microphone mute button so, I was thinking, so, so not a weird ghost started talking about ghostbusters no it's not ghost. crying I was just, in the background yeah it's not it's okay. not a crying it's not a crying child i would i would tend okay. to that obviously okay okay good good so um read an article on the independent just about rick and morty and i don't know so you're a rick and morty fan aren't you paul Yes, I, I am uh, a huge fan. I have to say I haven't caught up with the, the latest season as much. I'm sort of waiting for it all to drop at this point. Yeah, so look, you, you could be part of the problem here. So <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so season four is completely out now on Netflix. It's all, all 10 episodes. And so they split that season. They did a five and a five. And the, the article basically talks about the the viewer numbers are down for Rick and Morty, and Rick and Morty is uh, has been a, a huge success. And I think season four is, is still big numbers, but it's nowhere near the numbers when it first came on the air. And um, Justin Roiland was has been talking about is is the model of kind of you know working for a year or two years in, in this case, releasing a season, is that model working for us? Or would they be better to actually have a, a year-long model where they release one episode a month um, and there's kind of a bit of a hype and a bit of celebration around it and every month just a new episode's been released as a way to kind of drip feed people, I guess, um, content that they might kind of enjoy, be excited about, potentially have longer conversations about. And I thought it was an interesting model because – Obviously, here on Half Measures, we've talked about the, there's pros and cons to different models. There's the traditional um, network TV model of getting uh, episode episodes on a, on a weekly basis. There's the the Netflix model of just drop it all at once. Mm. Um, 
there's and, and this is a whole whole another concept right like you could actually have Rick and Morty all year um but you're only going to get it once a month which which I thought was interesting it's it is interesting because I I came to this show late and so when I when I discovered it um through a friend of the podcast I started watching it and watched all three seasons literally episode after episode just binging it and that worked for me but I'm not the sort of person necessarily who's going to think to go and watch an animated show week by week unless it's Star Wars because that is a game changer for me but anything else is kind of like, I, I don't know that I would think to check for a an animated cartoon each week it's one of those things drop the whole season and let me watch it um sort of thing um so mm. I don't know that weekly or monthly works for me I'm like season you know the season's available like um uh, F is for family I just saw that that's um come back and that the season the latest season for that has just dropped and it's kind of like okay great it's on my list and at some point i'm gonna go and watch it and i'll watch it in one go so that's it's, it's interesting that you know you bring up a story about this and i instantly say oh, i haven't watched it yet i'm waiting for the whole season to drop i've just looked online the whole season is there now but i sort of lost track of it because i knew it was being as you say drip drip fed so it's a uh, yeah i'm not sure what the right model is there mm-hmm. yeah look, I, don't, I don't know if there is an answer i think it's 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 quite different for everyone. I I watched this season of Rick and Morty as it was coming out, sort of on a on a week by week basis, as it was released on Netflix here. Um, and I I actually wonder whether I could have done with a bit more time between each episode. Um, I don't know. The, the first few seasons of Rick and Morty, I found it really easy to binge. I'm not sure I felt the same vibe with this season. Um, but I do think Rick and Morty is a show like I could go back probably now and rewatch it and get a whole different vibe and feel out of it. So mm. look, I think it's, I, I don't think the article doesn't say what way it's going to go. I just thought it was interesting to think about that. There, there is more than just two models for releasing content. And it's an interesting way to potentially keep the, keep the conversation alive about your, your TV show. Um, I, whether Rick and Morty is the right show for that model to work, who knows? I feel like one way or another, though, I need to just go and watch this season because I don't want to be part of the problem, Dan. Exactly. I think uh, we also, interesting you mentioned F is for Family. I think we should, I need to watch that season season four as well, and we should have a, a conversation about that. I, I really enjoy that, that Me show. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. <clears throat> okay, so the, the other thing I just wanted to go through is I was looking at a, a list of, you know, how up to date this is is things are changing by the minute but basically just sort of a a few of the movies their original release date and then their new release date Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm not going to go through every single movie um but just some of the the key ones um so oh there's a burglar in your house paul there's a kid singing in the background there's a burglar honestly this this is why when you when you record in a professional studio this sort of thing doesn't happen right that's right. Um, so the new Disney live-action movie Milan that was uh, originally due to come out on the 27th of March, that's now coming out on the 24th of July. And we have talked about this one a little bit before because I think it's one of those movies which – and I know we've got a few American listeners, but things are really interesting in America because they've kind of gone back to normal from a, a pandemic point of view. I know they've got social distancing and, and things in place, but mm. obviously they've got movie theaters starting to open up. So they've got um, Mulan coming out on the 24th. Um, they've got the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenant, which was originally going to come out on the 17th of July. That comes out now on the 31st of July. So mm. the not, not too distant future. I'm interested in Tenant for sure. Definitely. Um, we've, I think for that one, it's going to definitely be an Inception rewatch just to kind of get yourself in the zone. Agreed. Uh, the New Mutants, which, again, another movie we've talked about um, in mm-hmm. the past that was originally going to come out on the on in April. That's now coming out on the 28th of August. Um, Candyman, I don't know if you remember that uh, horror movie from when you were just a, a young mm. chimney sweep, Paul. So I that do. movie... <laughs> Pull yourself together. For... <laughs> this is it. This this is the moment this we knew it. that we knew right. this moment Miracle, would come. Yeah. Let's fresh. No, so um, so Candyman that was coming out on the twelfth of June. Now coming out on the twenty fifth of September. Um, Wonder Woman. So. 
Um, so Wonder Woman 1984, that was due out also in June. That's now coming out on the 2nd of October. Okay. So some of these are some pretty big movies. Um, Black Widow, so that was due out on the 1st of May. Now we're looking at a, a 6th of November release. So all particularly in that Marvel space, you know, they've got quite a, a schedule of movies which they're, they're due to release. And there's always something that kind of disrupts or changes that um, horizon, but that that's obviously quite a delay for Black Widow as well. Um, the, one, the one I'm waiting for, the one I'm hoping is on your list, is No Time to Die. Look, I'm Palmer. getting there. Okay, good. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, obviously, uh, Maverick, which is the Top Gun 2 movie, so that's a, a sequel which is you know, almost 30 years in the making. So that was actually due to come out on the 24th of June, so that would have been next week. Uh, now coming out on the the twenty third of December, um, the Eternals, another um, Marvel movie that was going to come out on November. Now it's been pushed to February next year. Wow! Um, look, and the the big one that I know you're waiting for, F nine. So Fast and the Furious nine, originally it was supposed to be out in May twenty twenty. We're now looking at the second of April next year. I don't oh. I don't know how you can wait, Paul. I, what are you going to do? I can't believe they're up to nine, but there we go. Um, and actually, I, I might have – oh, no, here we go. Here we go. So No Time to Die, currently scheduled for 20th of November. So that was originally a, an April mm. release as well. So I think there's, there's going to be some really uh, interesting movies, I think, as we sort of head into the end of the year. And I think it's – I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a drought of new, and I think we're already seeing this a bit with iTunes and and Google Play, where there's not a lot of um, new big movies coming out um, mm-hmm. to yeah. hire or, or watch. Um, but we have got a bunch of exciting movies, I guess, coming out in in cinema. Which I guess there's all these all these products kind of sitting sitting there ready to go, and it's more about getting them in the schedule than it is about necessarily finishing them off from a production point of view. So yeah, just uh, just a few. Um, I could go on for a while. There's there's lots of movies that seem to be moving around, but I thought those are some of the the key ones which um, have been scheduled for the coming months. That's good. That's good, Dan. I appreciate it. I don't know about our listeners, but I for one was genuinely educated there. So that was that was good. I didn't know any of those dates, so it's, it's good because yeah, it'd be good to get back into the cinemas again. Yeah, look, I, I'm not even sure what the last movie I saw at the cinemas was. Maybe 1917, maybe. Hmm, I have a horrible suspicion for me it will be the rise of Skywalker, literally. In, oh, in, well, yeah, back, right. Back in, back in January, I think, yeah. Imagine, imagine if this had happened when we were waiting for a Star Wars movie and it got delayed. Outrageous. I can't even go thinking about it. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Anyway, um, it's probably enough um, news. Before we go on to having a, a quick chat about Space Force, Let's uh, let's dive into the mailbag. Okay, so we only had one real interaction of note this this uh, this last week, and so following on from our movie, the review of the gentleman, uh, the social media manager, as always, diligently put out a, a post on on Instagram uh, of you know promoting that movie, and the uh, the photograph that was used uh, of um, Michelle Dockery had uh, Eugenia Kuzmina. Uh, in the photo with Michelle, uh, Eugenia, who had a cameo in the movie. Now, Eugenia is a, a Russian-American uh, model actress, uh, and she not only liked our post, not only then started following us and commented on the post, but then posted our picture that we we posted, posted it on her own Instagram feed to her 216,000 uh, followers, so nearly quarter of a million followers, and uh, wrote a little blurb underneath it saying, "Check out Half Measures podcast for the review of the Guy Ritchie movie, uh, The Gentleman. The number one rule is the lion is hungry, he eats." And then she goes on to thank uh, Guy and having a cameo with Michelle Dockery, and then she tweeted it as well, and also tagged. She tagged us in on both, so our likes and comments and things went through the roof. And I think this is the only time that we'll ever be able to say this, Dan. But we had thirty-five models and actresses all with blue tick verification saying you know they're the real deal all you know commenting and liking and it's probably not something let's be honest that 
I mean, is this our key demographic? Is this is this really the you know where we expected to find our listeners? I don't know, but uh, we we thank Eugenia for the the post anyway. Look, it's always good to make it in the in the supermodel circles, um, and it, look, it's good to be able to share our our community and our network in a different circle. So, yeah, welcome, welcome. Ho- hopefully, now listeners of the show. I I presume so. I presume that's how. Yeah, she found out about the podcast. So, uh, so yeah, so there we go. So, um, yeah, that's it from me. Top, top work by the social media manager. We have to pass on our regards. I will indeed. So the the topic of the week that we were going to dive into today is Space Force. So, yes. Space Force is a, a Netflix original. Um, stars Steve Carell, John Malkovich, Ben Swartz, Lisa Kudrow, numerous other uh, pretty big name uh, actors and actresses. And it's a show where we've kind of made mention of it on a few episodes. Um, We've both been kind of working our way through. We've kind of had that discussion around, I think, there's a, a lot of fan expectation that it's kind of going to be like the office i think it couldn't be anything further away from what the office is mm. um but yeah we just wanted to share some of our thoughts do a little bit of a i guess a, a review on it our thoughts for where this is heading so paul i'll let you what do you think how did it yeah. work for you it's an interesting one right because we 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 touched on this as you said you know sort of going in let's 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 expect it not to be the office let's expect it to maybe not start off the highest quality with season one let's be patient with it and i think we you know we, we called it in that respect it, it hasn't been that great uh that said there's still enough in there to keep me hooked in the genre of, of, of you know of space of space force the the notion of it in itself is hilarious um which is probably why you know the president has made it a real thing um it's I, i'm i'm trying to really put my finger on why i think it doesn't quite work yet and i think it's around the fact that it's for me it's not sure what type of comedy it is it's kind of it's kind of trying to be i don't want to say it's trying to be an office comedy but it's trying to be like a a a workplace so this is his you know their workplace but at the same time it's also trying to be a bit of an over-the-top slapstick satire type thing and you know you touched on this the other day when we were talking about you know the episode with the with the monkey and 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 so on or the chimpanzee um so it's um yeah in terms of being able to relate to some of the characters other than maybe john malkovich's character who's quite a nice human sort of a good guy and maybe um steve carell's daughters uh, that character there's no one really to sort of relate to or empathize with um and you know it's it's hard to think of it as a workplace comedy it's hard to understand you know what it must be like to be in space force so the office always worked for me because i could understand the frustration of having to go to a meeting that no one needs or the banter at the at the water cooler that sort of stuff and so so I, I don't know what it is, but there's something not quite right. But that said, there are some moments in the show that really make me laugh. And I think it's down to the quality of the acting. Uh, John Malkovich, Steve Carell uh, in particular, um, some standout moments here and there. The, uh, the, uh, the There's just silly little moments like when they're, they're doing that battle with the balloons and the guy reaches one of the balloons and he grabs it and he starts doing that the thing from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when you know, when he's grabbing Indiana Jones's hat. There's some really funny moments, but there's something missing. But I'm still going to watch it and I'm still going to tune in for season two. And there's still enough there to, you know, there's still enough there that keeps me laughing enough. And I really just, I just want to watch this show and I really want it to work. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's a show that I really want to like and I'm really mm. struggling to to love it. Um in saying that like you, like I'm definitely gonna be back for season two. It didn't it didn't hook me in and I think I really, really wanted it to and I really and I, I knew it was gonna be something different. And I think like you've said, I think like we've said in the past it's got too many different it's trying to be too many different things at the moment and i think when it's every now and again it kind of gets that rhythm and it feels quite good 
But I was, I was thinking about this last night when I was watching it. I think the the comedy in it, or or the general characters, it's kind of like mean comedy, and it doesn't. Mm. It never makes me feel comfortable. Like, like an example for me is, um, this is sort of midway through the season when Steve Carell's character volunteers to basically go in on that pretend moon base. Yep. And like they're just horrible to one another and there's just like there's no there's no respect for one another and not in a not in a funny way like the office would do it. It it generally felt like they weren't nice people. Correct. And it just didn't it ne- too many times for me throughout the season it felt like a chore to get to watch and right. that's that's not how i i want to enjoy a show like this and i i don't know if this is a fair statement or not but i wonder you know when you take a show like the office and i i do want to like i i don't want to compare them because they're, they're different but the budget on space force is through the roof and you can tell like mm. the props are incredible every scene they do it looks like it's really polished heaps of um just different components that bring the scenes to life and it's really cool but i kind of feel like because it's so polished and so well produced it doesn't kind of have the rawness of of a show like The Office it, that made me sort of care about all the characters and though those characters could be, I guess, um, mean or unfriendly to one another, I still deep down, they felt like individually they were just kind of complicated people that would kind of seem nice. Whereas I generally just feel like all of the characters in Space Force are generally just out for themselves and more times than not, I kind of felt sorry for Steve Carell's character um, as as General Nard, um, yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting what you when you say that they're they're just not nice and they're not nice to each other. They're dislikable characters, and that never helps in a comedy environment. Like there's some dislikable characters in Sicario. There's some dislikable characters in things other things I've been watching and you've been watching. But in a comedy situation, unless they're playing that sort of villain comedy type, they, it, it just doesn't work that well. And so, and then seeing the way they talk to each other isn't. Yeah, it's. I imagine that the writers of the show would have picked up on this, and they're you know Greg Daniels is a pretty smart guy, and Steve Carell and the rest of the guys they're all talented. I'm sure they'll they'll write that ship in some respect. But even just the way Steve Carell when he's talking as General Ned, he he's got that voice. That he's sort of I I don't know. It's, it feels so put on that it's just it's 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 very very odd, and some of the things seem so. And this sounds strange because it's obviously a, a fictitious show about space, but some of the stuff is so unrealistic that it takes it out of that sort of believable mold into something that's just oh, this is you know real slapstick type. Like, you know, yeah. And I actually wonder whether if you if you're in America, I'd be in, I'd be interested in, in like in your views because you may be a little bit more closer. But it feels like there's things that are unrealistic, but then there's things that are probably they're so real for what's actually happening in the world right now. It's probably again a little bit of like what's the tonal balance we're going for, mm-hmm. and it made me think. So talking about these kind of main characters, and I think about um, uh, Noah Emmerich's character as um, General Kick Grabiston, which when you break that down, grab uh, grab yeah. Aston. Um, like there's there's, uh, there's too many characters like him, and I think so. Again, even though I just said don't make all these office references, you take a show like The Office, and there was a character Todd Packer who was kind of the the, the real the real ass who would kind of mm-hmm. he was the sales rep. He would occasionally come in the office. He was horrible, but it was okay because everyone else was kind of likable in their own weird, unique way. And what I don't have in this show is I I, I don't have that affinity with any of the characters, and that's what I hope in season two they kind of learn and go in a slightly different direction and turn some characters into characters that you can kind of resonate with or kind of like enjoy them mm. for um, who they are. And I I think the, the character that probably does that best at the moment is um, the guy that always is letting people into Steve Carell's office. Um, uh, Brad. Like Brad, the, yeah. yeah. Like, like he kind of feels like the probably the most – for me, the most likable character on the show at the moment, yeah. which 
doesn't feel right. And no, but see what you've picked up on there is something which I've laughed at the most, which is just Brad's simple inability to stop people from going into his office and then when he goes into the office not even letting him know that there's someone in the office waiting for him and just that really simple thing and i guess it's as close as we get to what it would have been like in the office i guess and maybe that's why i'm laughing i I don't know but uh yeah no good call and uh don lake who plays brad gregory is as a great comedy actor and it's just funny because of course he's a general i keep thinking of him as a as a secretary or a pa but he's he's a general as well it's just it's a, a very, a very strange dynamic they've set up there. And it's it's interesting, right? Because it's a show when, like, when they were um, before that, was it a select committee or whoever it was, mm. and they were sort of defending the budget. There's there's some moments in there that are really kind of genuine and like kind of educational in a weird way about why um, Space Force is such need so much funding to do what they do and how they can use some of that science and technology to. Ha- help with other issues around the world um but then again another episode you'll be completely different direction um not sure uh, is it slapstick is it kind of um i don't don't know i I don't know i I just feel like it was a bit of a miss for me overall unfortunately now um last last week you mentioned in the discord channel freckled pretzel had uh came up with a suggestion of some fan theories well maybe you can help me out here with a fan theory Unless Diana and I miss something watching the show, we are struggling to understand why was uh, Lisa Kudrow's character, uh, the wife, um, I can't think of her name now, but you know, uh, General Ned's wife. Um, Maggie. Maggie, thank you. What? Why did she go to jail? What, what What did she do? Yeah, look, I I did a little bit of searching for that because I, again, didn't, did I miss something? Did I, was it not okay. covered? Um, and it's basically been un- unrevealed um, at this point. And um, Greg Daniels, um, who co-created the show with Steve Carell, has basically said, we're leaving it open at the moment. We're kind of enjoying the, the mystery around it. Uh-huh. Okay. But, Good. <clears throat> so that's that's the aha. Uh-huh. I think the, the thing for me out of that is I don't even know if I care. <laughs> I want to care. And I think and I, and I think that's where it kind of misses for me because I think you've got so much talent and you've got um, Greg Daniels has been behind some incredible shows. Mm. Steve Carell, like comedy gold. And I just feel like, why are all these things not working? And little twists and things like, why don't we know why why Maggie's in jail kind of could be great theories that you kind of go away and uh, probe into and theorize out. But it's, it's lacking the piece that kind of makes me again care about her as a character because I think she's kind of left me with this feeling of actually you're not a great person either. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I feel it, like, you know, in the world we're living in the moment, we need a bit more kindness. And that's why, and I, I know we talk about it too much, but that's why Seinfeld works so well because they're genuinely nice people who you who you who you do love and you do want to wish well and hope that the, it's it's a real simple thing, right? Just characters that you can love Mm, mm. yeah look i'm still there for season two um i found this a really like i had to watch a few episodes to kind of to to finish this off and it it was hard work yep so it's look I, i feel like we don't normally we're not normally too negative on the on the half measures reviews i feel like i've been Correct. We're we're trying to keep it upbeat. We're trying to keep it high on the guns akimbo scale, but uh, maybe this one yeah, we, is, is is not quite there. It, yet. It, it's got no guns on it. No guns akimbo on this no. one. In fact, I should have been giving all of those movies today guns akimbo um, ratings. It's a real half measure on your part. Um, I look. I, I yeah. I'm not going to give it a rating, but I there's like I say, there's enough there to keep me interested, but. Um, if if let's just say they make five seasons of this show and it gets better, this may be one of those situations where you just jump when you if you do a rewatch, you jump straight into season two, perhaps. Um, and yeah, and look, it, you know, I really hope I'm wrong, and I hope it's a show that, like season two, three, four, whatever, are so good that it's one of those ones you go back and you're like, actually, when I watch it now, knowing all these characters, I really appreciate it in a different light. I I hope that's what I hope this is where this goes because. That would be great. I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong on this and um, learn to love these characters like I do in other other shows. Correct. Look, I'm all about the positivity as well, so I'll, I'll go with that too. 
Cool. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's Space Force. So, yeah. Check it out. <laughs> check it out. Um, there's probably some other things you could check out in there too. Maybe the Ninja Turtles. Maybe catch up on uh, Rick and Morty Season 4. Maybe get amongst some uh, efforts for family. But that probably just about brings us to the, the end of our episode for this week. So make sure um, you come and join us on our new Discord channel. Um, you'll see the invite link in the, the podcast notes for the show. We're trying to build a bit of a community there. If you've got ideas for a, a show topic, a movie, TV show you'd like us to discuss, a fan theory, we're all about it. Of course, you can reach out to us on all of the other various platforms we have. We're on Twitter, Half Measures Pod. We're on um, Instagram. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the Reddits. We're on the Pinterest. If it's a platform... We're there. Correct. You sounded just like my dad then when you said the Facebook. Amazing. I love the it. Facebook. I, I love uh, it. I the love Facebook. It. The Facebook. So, yeah, look, um, anything else from you, Paul, before we sign off? No, I am all good. And, uh, yeah, take care. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Adios.